Cheers cast is part of the Fire and Water Network. What, what are you making a big deal about the coat for? I was merely trying to conjure up an image of the owner. There's nothing wrong with that. Fantasy is healthy. Everybody does it. Didn't you ever fantasize about me? Yeah, I guess I did. And I you. What did you fantasize about? Mostly you stopped using phrases like and I you. Hello, and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and joining me today to discuss the third episode of Season 4, making her first appearance on Cheerscast, the host of the Gabby Bendall Show on YouTube, Gabby Bendall. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, This is your first time on the show, which means you get the question that everybody new gets, which is, what is your Cheers origin story? How and when did you discover the show? Well, um, I am a child of the 80s. So, of course, I heard about Cheers, but I was a kid back then. So, really, I believe my reintroduction to Cheers was quarantine when I had some extra time on my hands. And um, it was on Netflix for a while. Yep. So, I got into it then, and I just loved it. It was um, it was nostalgia and distraction and everything that... I sort of need it, you know, back in March of 2020. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, you, you did reach out uh, about it being on an episode possibly like last season and didn't get it around to you. But I, I knew I knew that I did want to get you back. So I'm glad that you're here now. Thank you. I'm excited. This is great. Very cool. All right. So we are talking about season four, episode three, Someday My Prince Will Come. This one is written by Tom Seeley and Norm Gunzenhauser. Directed by Jim Burroughs, the original air date was Thursday, October 17th, 1985. When Diane finds an expensive men's jacket left at the bar, she begins to conjure an image of the owner. As more details about the jacket emerge, Diane imagines a man of culture and sophistication, very attractive to her. But Carla and Sam are quick to point out that her dream man could be ugly. When the owner, a man named Stuart, calls Cheers about his jacket, Diane makes a date with him over the phone. Stuart arrives and is every bit the charming, worldly, sophisticated gentleman that Diane imagined, albeit a little plain looking. Both Diane and Sam and Carla all feel vindicated. She, that her dream man is almost perfect. Them, that the almost part is too significant to overlook. (laughs) Diane starts to date Stuart, and Sam admits that he was wrong, that Stuart is a great guy and a great match for Diane. But she confesses that she's been lying to them and to herself, that she doesn't find Stuart physically attractive and has to break up with him. When she goes to dump him, she can't even be honest about her reasons and makes up a crazy lie about having a skin condition. But Stuart admits that he is in love with someone else. After he leaves, Diane is crushed and humiliated that she could be so superficial. Sam says she was always that superficial. In fact, the only reason she dated Sam was because of his looks, because that's the best thing about him. 
Diane agrees, and Sam is victorious despite this unintentional self-own. All right, Gabby, what did you think about this episode? Well, first of all, I am on the dating scene myself. Um, so my heart really went out to Diane. I also, like Diane, am a hopeless romantic. I think I wouldn't have done much different than she um, when finding the beautiful cashmere jacket. And I would have had a little um, fantasy about who was the possible owner and how we would have lived happily ever after. So I really loved it. And um, it just rang true to my heart. Also, though, I do have to interject. Mm-hmm. Um, also my heart went out to Carla as a mother of three and someone that loves English and writing and is not a math and science person. I mean, anyone that could take my children's science projects for me, I would happily uh, dump it on them as well. <laughs> that was a nice little, a short little bit just to give the others something, something to do. Uh, <laughs> Carla comes in with this little contraption and she's like, Diane, I would normally never ask you for help, but you've been to college for a zillion years. Right. <laughs> and she mentions that her son, Gino, has the science project that he needs help. And I love it. Diane's like, well, what's the problem? Carla goes, okay. he's not very smart. Right, right. And then Diane wouldn't even, she didn't even want to help. She said, oh, no, whatever she said, uh, it wasn't ethical for her to do the project for him or whatever. And that's how she ended up, Carla ended up asking um, Cliff. Right, right. The project, yeah. Who, of course, has no problem uh, breaking, bending a few rules. Of course. Yeah, he doesn't mind. Especially, and once he gets a free beer for his generosity, that Normus quick to be the Igor to his Dr. Frankenstein. To right, get a free right. Beer. That was, that was cute. But yes, yeah. yeah, so... um. I felt connected to this episode very much with Diane and her love and Carla and that freaking science project. Man, I don't look forward to the science projects. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, I I definitely want to touch upon kind of the major theme of of the episode, which is uh, maybe shows the episode's age. Uh, And we'll come back to that. The idea of the physical attractive like part of this episode and and whether or not this show could uh, any show could do this type of plot today but going through from the top the teaser we start off the gang is all at the bar watching the patriots play on tv and of course they're ogling the cheerleaders and diane serving a couple feels as she needs to she feels compelled to apologize for the gang's behavior and their their discussion and also explain her own minor participation in the bar's climate so she mentions that she is researching a novel and everything and and like really kind of like utilizing the blue collar vernacular the dialogue oh, what did she say lumpen proletariat lumpen proletariat she calls them the lumpen proletariat like this. i had to look it up i'm not gonna lie i looked it up yeah, if, if anybody, if you're not, it's it's a term having to do with like Marxist theology yes. and everything, but it's basically the lowest dregs of the social class, people completely um, unengaged in politics or and having nothing to do with like any kind of sway or or influence on political leanings or revolutions, things like well, that. Well, <laughs> I learned something new. I, I yeah. had to Google it. Yeah. I was like, what is that? Paused it and. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> These are the non-voters of, of Boston basically, <laughs> gathering here at the, at the bar. Um, but yeah, she also mentions like the, this, this is what, you know, Fitzgerald would have done, you know, it'd be right. inspired by this talk and everything. And then of course, once the guys start doing the wave at the bar, uh, Diane gets caught up and, and has to do it herself and then like mentions it to the to to the couple there. She's like, well, you have to go with them. Otherwise they get angry or something like that. Right, right. Kind of like she was she's undercover or something. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. After the opening credits, we come back and she is talking to Woody 
And again, just uh, this episode is all about her name dropping uh, her favorite authors and performers and everything, because she talks about seeing Barishnikov perform Giselle and, and she's describing this whole thing to Woody, like the, the performance and he's just like captivated. Yeah. And she mentions that he's uh, Barishnikov is playing Albrecht and she goes, I'd never seen him, his Albrecht before. And Woody's like, you mean he split his pants? Or right. right. <laughs> I love Woody. I love Woody. He's a he's a good yeah he's a he's a nice little fresh entry into the season so far. And he's the one who actually tells Carla that she should uh, go to Cliff about her, about Geno Science Project and mentions that he's got more brains in his head than I have in my little finger or something. Right, like that. and he meant it vice versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Cliff points it out to him. He's like, "You got that reverse." He's like, "See, that's how smart he is." Yeah, right. <laughs> Super. Then cool. Diane finds the jacket. And as you mentioned, it's this cashmere, and she, and she goes through the whole thing, tortoise shell buttons, a Benberg lining, she smells the, the pipe smoke, and she's able to recall what type of poet. And yeah, as she's going through these little fantasies and everything, it's it's recalling this memory of um, her dad's friend, Jack Meekin, and she names him, and, and she used to call him Uncle Jack, and she does this whole little monologue. That little dialogue right there would totally be canceled and is was extremely inappropriate, super cringy in 2021 times. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those things where I was kind of and I I, I can't help it. I mean she's just thinking about this little girl like having like this thing with her her dad's yeah. like, older Ugh. friend and bouncing on her his knee yeah, and everything. Like kiss that. on the cheek and and it, yeah. it's one of those things where I just like now just being of the age and the the where we are culture, I was like it's weird that just like my, my, my instinct is like, Hmm, this seems like an inappropriate relationship between an older man and a little girl. And I can't, yeah. yeah. And then of course, like she, but the whole thing is like Shelly Long going into like their weird little performance. Cause she does the a very high pitched uncle Jack. Uncle Jack. Right. <laughs> and Sam is just like listening to this whole little monologue thing and just thinking this one was crazy. It's like, was this before or after you met me? <laughs> like, right, right. Did, did I drive you to this or was this always inside you? And I just didn't see it when we were dating. I love it. I couldn't help, but I'm just going to interject really quick. When they were talking about the smell of cologne on the coat, um, Sam said something about his own cologne. And for some reason, if Sam were current right now, he would totally be one of those guys that wears Axe cologne. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a, that's, oh, yeah, know. yeah. And then, yeah, they know they they talk about like that was a recurring gig, like joke about like, how awful his cologne was and aftershave and stuff throughout the series. But yeah, being the womanizer that he was and the, the type of character he was, like if this show had been done, 10 years ago, yeah, it would have been Axe body spray, totally. <laughs> right. I yeah. was like, yeah. <laughs> then, you know, as the, the night is passing through and she's indulging in these fantasies and everything about uh, about the, the guy who owns the coat, it's closing time now. <laughs> Sam has this great little thing where he hands a bunch of receipts to Woody. He's like, would you add these receipts for me? And Woody counts and he goes, there's eight of them. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> that was very that came very close to being my highlight for the episode. It was yeah, you're right about that. That was really good. Mm-hmm. Additional details, you know, Diane now going through the pockets of the coat finds two tickets to the Grand Kabuki Theater. Which uh, kind of goes in theme with her talking about the ballet mm-hmm. a few minutes earlier. Yep. Yep. What's the other thing? Is it a, a rose? Like a flattened rose yes. or something? Yes. yes. Flat rose was in there. Yep. 
uh, at that point, like she, the, the bar gets a call and everything. And, and Sam, you know, playing dumb is like, Hey, does anybody remember losing a jacket here? And like Diane, like storms into him to get the, to the phone and everything. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, so I, I, at this point we kind of have to go into it because she's talking about this man that she has envisioned this like worldly guy sophisticated reminds her of this friend of the dad she kind of has this little fixation and Carla brings up you know what if he looks like Jojo the dog faced boy <laughs> and is that the, someone I should know was that a like a 1980s reference or something I didn't and I didn't I don't I don't think so okay, um, okay. it's just one of Carla's sayings or whatever yeah I, they're I want to say another episode talked about the dog-faced woman or something like that. I think it was just like a, a common refrain, a line or something that the, the writers used or came back to or something. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, they keep reminding her like how, you know, he, she doesn't know this guy. It could be terrible. And like how devastating a blind date could be. But she like presses on and everything. And she uh, she makes the date. She asks the guy to come over to the bar. And he does. And when he comes to the door, he, he sees Carla and he's like, are you Diane? And Carla's like, you should be so lucky. Right. She's so quick and she's mm-hmm. just, she's, she's ruthless, Carla. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. This season, I feel like they finally, they have the right pitch for her where she's quick. She's impeccable. Yeah. But, but not unlikable. Yeah. Right. Right. No. Cause this whole episode was everything she said, even when she was asking for help, she's still simultaneously insulting people. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's like yep. usually when you ask for help, you, uh, you know, kiss a little, you know, to mm-hmm. get you mean. not her. She could care less. She was still going to knock you down, but get the help. <laughs> yeah. And, and as other guests have pointed out, being in the service industry, you would think she would be nicer to the clientele. Right. Tips. How do you get your tips? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, she's, she's got that job security. She knows that right. no matter how rude she is, she's not going to get fired, but. I am very impressed, and I love how bold Diane was for asking him out to Coffee Espresso over the telephone. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 it's, I, and especially I mean, in she's... that time period, maybe it was a little less common or, you know, for a woman to ask a man out, especially over the phone. So I just love that she was bold and not scared and took the situation, the matters, into her own hands. And I wonder how much of it was doing it for the audience of Sam and Carla because they kept challenging her. And I wonder if she was basically like, no, if you think this is going to be, I'll show you. And basically like, like it almost like she's like, they were kind of like baiting her into this and she took it. Or if she was like, you're not going to scare me off this. I'm, I'm fully committed to this. She was going to show them. And that's why she did it. I wonder if that was part of it. And consciously or subconsciously, she and Sam are, just constantly trying to make each other jealous. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's a part of it, too. Like, look at me. Um, the other thing I want to say, especially, you know, back in the 80s, there weren't dating apps and everything. Um, so this was really more of a risk. Where nowadays, it's pretty common to meet up with a stranger or go out with a stranger, someone you haven't met, you know. Then to make a date with someone over the phone was, was pretty wild. And Stuart, I mean couldn't make a better first impression because he recognizes that. And once he comes in, he's like, look, I know we made the, uh, this date over the yeah. phone. If you want to back out, no hard feelings, say it right now. I like, love you, that. Yeah. I mean, like, again, like this guy, like 
as a heterosexual married man, I was like, I would kind of like to date this guy. He's a really <laughs> nice guy. He's smart, cultured, and everything. He's self-deprecating about being pretentious about like where he stays right. in he's Paris and his self- car phone. Yeah. He's very self-aware. Yeah, yeah, like perfect. And and she's a she's she knows that and everything like that. She's into it, but like Sam and and Carla keep thinking that you know they're like oh yeah what he's like completely like way below her standards uh, you know too too not handsome enough for her and that's kind of like I'm probably not the person to judge this but I mean as as a woman yourself I mean how did you feel about Stuart physically and and appearance wise <laughs> would somebody like that turn you off would that be an uh, like a problem if you wanted to date somebody like that. Oh gosh, is Stuart? I believe his last name is Sorison, which is Sorison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just such a soap opera. I love his name. Um, <laughs> is Stuart physically attractive? Ay, ay, He's not my type. I'll say that. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> See, now I'm being more uh, 2021 politically correct. Sure. Um, I don't. He's not my vibe. I guess not. You know, but. It, did he seem? Did he seem a little bit older than Diane? Maybe that was part of it too for me. Yeah, and I'm trying to. I mean, at this Slightly. point, Diane is in her mid to late twenties still, I think. Um, and he probably, I, I, I would imagine, has a decade on her, like maybe ten years on her. Right. Um, and then coming from Sam Malone. <laughs> And and Sam, of course, you know, points that out. He's like, you yes. know, like on a scale of one to ten, me being twelve, of course, he says that. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess uh, the the whole thing about like, I, I don't know. I was just I was trying to see see this in nineteen eighties terms with yeah. the physical appearance of an actor or or a character being such a detriment to a romantic relationship, and well, maybe it's because. Uh, kind of used to used to seeing girls and women in movies and TV coupled with men who are way uglier than them or like just not not up to their standards that being kind of a common trope in sitcoms and everything like that um right and had this been had the genders been reversed had it been uh, you know uh, a man or something like that like uh, like making a blind date and the girl being unattractive or, or more plain than that. Like it seems like it would be more complicated and more problematic. And again, you brought it up putting it into it is a double standard. And, but also thinking about like beauty standards and body shaming today. Like I, I just, I don't know that this plot, regardless of the genders, I don't know if they would do anything like this today. Yeah. I don't know either. Um, Maybe they would, kind of go off more about how, <laughs> I don't know, I'm just trying to think on the spot here, how someone carries themselves and style, mm-hmm. how that can make up for a lack of, quote, I don't know, stereotypical good looks or something. Yeah, sex um, appeal. Yeah. Right, because that really does how someone carries themselves. And obviously he had this very fancy jacket, coat, um, well-made. Mm-hmm. He was wearing a suit. You know, that makes up for a lot. The way someone dresses, the clothes make the man, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the expression. So, um, but could it be pulled off today? I think a lot of that episode couldn't be pulled off today. (laughs) You know, Diane reminiscing on sitting on her uncle's lap, uh, everything here with Stuart, Mm. 
you know, I don't know. I'm also a really big, I'm crazy about the office. And that wasn't even as long ago as 1985. And a lot of what is in the office, I think couldn't be pulled off today. I think right now we are going through, you know, cancel culture left and right. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you think cancel culture is kind of going to pass or is it uh, I, I, I don't see an end to it in anytime soon, uh, right. but yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know my feelings on it. Is it a positive or a negative real? You know, I mean, obviously certain things, absolutely. It's a positive, but have we gone too far? I also, I love comedy. I've done a lot of comedy. My friends are comedians. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's really, it's a fine line. You don't want to take away the edge, but at the same time, you don't want to insult. Right. And, and I think, I think the term cancel culture is often misused. There are times when it is legit and on point, And there are other times when it's just really talking about accountability and people being held to a standard where they shouldn't say things or they shouldn't behave a certain way. And, and the, the cultural, the sensibilities of the time just aren't accepting of that. And other people find that it's more stifling of creativity and there's uh, there's debate about that I, i'm not sure but it's a tough one yeah anyway all right okay then moving on because yeah. after after the break we come back and they've been together for uh, or they've gone on several dates um and they come back and the gang is still kind of making fun of him and everything like that like he sam even told woody a joke in confidence that uh Stuart could stop a clock by looking at it and everything and and diane he overhears this joke or whatever and pulls sam into the office and sam thinks he's going to get reamed but instead it's <laughs> diane breaks down <laughs> what is it she says i'm such a poo, such a poo. <laughs> he's like what and she confesses that she's been lying to them, but she's really been lying to herself that she was, you know, when she, at first she told them that she was completely vindicated, but she's like, now she stares at him. Like when they're at dinner and all of his good qualities, everything great about him, the perfect man that she sort of idealized, but all she can think about is his looks and why he's not. You know, I actually have been in this situation. Now I'm going through a few past Tinder dates I've been on and I can think of, yeah, a man, he was, um, he's an author, kind of well-known. He invited me on trips and I just was not attracted to him. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was really based on looks, unfortunately. So I'm sorry. I just want to interject with that. No, I mean, I, I, I've been on the other side of that where I've, I've thought like I, I had great chemistry with somebody, but the physical part of it wasn't there. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But of course, her read of the situation is terrible because she's like, he's he's clearly in love, oh, and yes. <laughs> she doesn't she doesn't want to break him. So of all people, she's come to Sam for help right. breaking up, and Sam is like, well, all right, I've got this one. It's clean, it's simple, and most the best of all, it makes them not want to be around you. He's like, the lie is you have a contagious skin condition, and insanity runs in the family, right? <laughs> And again, she launches into another monologue. And she's like, that is the most depraved thing I've ever heard. She's like, I've looked into the face of insensitivity and dishonesty, and it made me blanch. <laughs> and then she goes into this whole thing about how she's going to tell him the truth. She's going to be honest, and he will accept it, and he will appreciate it, and he will understand because of her honesty. And she's like, do you comprehend what I'm saying? And Sam says, everything except the part where you change your name to Blanche. Right, right. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> So, but again, she's lying to herself because as soon as she gets out there, he's like, you know, I'm thinking about committing to a woman and 
just it like leaps out of her mouth. She can't even stop herself. She's like, she I have a contagious. The woman, she thinks she assumes the woman that he wants to commit to is her. Mm-hmm. Without mm-hmm. a doubt, that's what she thinks. Because as it, I mean, it, it keeps on coming up in the show. Diane is frequently her worst enemy in these episodes. Right. Never mind how mean Carla can be you know, to her, or when Sam is able to knock her down a peg. It's she that is often the ruin of her own. Well, isn't that even something Sam said? Something along the lines: "He said, oh, stop being mean to yourself. That's my job.'" Yeah, yeah. At some point in the show, yeah. So she she repeats the lie that she's got the skin condition and he tells her that he's in love with somebody else that he knew before and he wants to get back with her and she's super happy for him. And then once that's over, yeah, she's, yeah, the, the sense of really until Sam kind of points out that, you know, she, she was like, you know, it, it's for the better, best or, and and Sam is like quick to point out, he's like, you weren't going to break up with him for the right reason. It's like you were going to, or he broke up with you, actually. That was the thing before you could break up with him. And she's like, well, shut right. up. <laughs> and it's hilarious how just Sam blatantly stares at the whole scene, the whole conversation. You know what I mean? He's not trying to hide it or anything. He's really taking it all in. He's not looking at a book or looking away or trying to make drinks. He was, he was listening. He was mm-hmm. eavesdropping. Yeah. And and of course he has to leap in and just say you know you've always been the superficial the, the the man that you were more hung up on than anybody was me and the reason is for my looks and he's like name one other reason why any woman would date me and, and she's like that's no, hilarious and there's none and of course he's like like laughing about it himself and even like like he gets like the cheers from the other guys from Norman really? Cliff down at the bar and she's just shaking her head like what the hell did I date for a year. Right, right. No, that was so funny. Yeah. Uh, a few little notable things. Uh, we do not have Frasier in this episode. Uh, this is the first uh, the first time he hasn't been on the show since uh, last season, The Executive's Executioner. So basically seven episodes um, that he was on for also. Oh, that's interesting because I watched, uh, to get ready for the show, I watched this show and the show right before it. Mm-hmm. And Frazier was in the episode yep. right before this one. So I guess in my mind, I was thinking he was in this one as well. But no, I must be thinking about yep. the previous episode. Yeah, he's not He's not in this one. Um, Stuart Sorensen was played by Frank Dent, um, who has a, a handful of TV and work appearances in the 1980s. He was in episodes of Family Ties, Simon and Simon, St. Elsewhere, Hill Street Blues. He was in the movie Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Okay. Um, but not not a whole lot. Um, it's a little known fact that this episode actually aired on George Wentz's 37th birthday. So you gotta imagine Norm was 37 at this point. Wow. Isn't that crazy? And now 1985 is about what, 36 years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is he 71 now? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts about the episode? No, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm happy that this is the episode um that i got to be a part of because i'm always in search of my prince charming and uh, <laughs> so i enjoyed it i, I thought it was, i thought it was great well hopefully when you find him he has a he has a jacket with a benberg lining because that's oh absolutely that's, <laughs> that's my number one on my list that's what i need <laughs> Uh, for Norm's tab, he had four beers in this episode that I clocked, which brings him up to 299 for the series so far. 
Oh, that's so funny. That's hilarious. We're almost at 300. What happens at 300? Um, I do a little celebration dance of my own, but nothing, nothing <laughs> serious. We'll find out at the end of season 11. I would have liked a little bit more on the science project, except that um, Norm and Cliff were experimenting with it and Cliff looked like he was being electrocuted or something. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah <laughs> they really only do the, grade. I want yeah, to they know just do, they just do the one little gag and then it's kind of forgotten. It's really, yeah, just a very minor thing, but <laughs> Um, for the employee of the week, who did you think was the standout character or the best, best performer on this one? Oh my goodness. Um, I focused and put so much attention on Diane, um, as I was studying and preparing for your podcast. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to go ahead and give it to Diane. I agree. I mean, it's, it's her episode. It's, it's it her focus. I mean, Sam has some great spots too. Um, but I really thought uh, like everything from as creepy as that monologue about uncle Jack is in a modern context, if you just yes. sort of separate that and take it as is the sort of whimsical nature of it and her getting lost in this memory and then like a high pitched voice about uncle Jack and then to her, you know, storming out and, and like just the, her, her ups and downs throughout this episode were pretty strong. So I thought, yeah, this was easily a Diane episode. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, what about your highlight? Your either the funniest gag or the best moment of this episode? Probably the funniest things for me would be the interactions between Sam and Diane. Hmm. Um, maybe when she said, I'm a poo in the, <laughs> when they had their little conversation in the office and, um, that she went to him. I think that says a lot mm-hmm. that even though they've been through so much when she needs someone to talk to, she still, yeah. you know, relies on him and went to talk to him. I think that would be my my highlight. Yeah, that was good. There's there's a brief little moment that say that it's when when Stuart first walks in and he's he know, he's getting his jacket back from Diane, and she says, "Did you get it on the continent?" And he goes, "Yeah, France." And Sam just I was over confused about that, honestly. Yeah, just a, like a term for Europe, not counting like the British Isles and everything. He's like France. Uh, but yeah, Sam just has this little aside to himself. He's like the continent, kind of like laughing. He's like, nice try, Diane. I just thought that was his little delivery. Like he's, he's, he's eavesdropping and not even trying to hide it. Right. I did wait maybe a little bit of a highlight uh, talking about Stuart. I did think it was funny when he said he was out of Brie. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> he's talking about the Yeah. And yeah. Diane just thought that was so hilarious. <laughs> Um, also I love when Diane finds her own jokes so funny that I get such a kick out of that. Mm-hmm. She finds mm-hmm. no one more funny than herself. <laughs> and she has a very distinct laugh when she laughs at her own jokes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, Gabby, thank you very much for being on this episode of Cheers Cast. Uh, it was where... a pleasure. This is a lot of fun. Oh, of course. Of course. Where else can people find you if they want to hear more from you? Um, definitely on YouTube. You can look up Gabby Bendel, G-A-B-B-Y, Bendel, B as in boy, E-N, D as in David, E-L. That's probably the best place. I have a little talk show. Um, I had the last interview with Miss Cleo that did really well. I've interviewed a medical marijuana doctor, a nudist, pretty big recording artist. He has a Jay Berna. He has a song out with Betty Wop. And most recently I had a great time. I had a a dating show. It was Pride Edition um, for the month of June. Um, so yeah, I would love if people would stop by my YouTube channel. Very, very cool. Very cool. 
All right. Thanks to all of you out there who listen to Cheerscast and support the show by liking and sharing on Facebook, favoriting and retweeting on Twitter, and leaving a comment on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents and Monday Movie Muckabout, who sponsors this show. For more information on how you can support your favorite shows on the Fire and Water Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and until next time, we're closed. Oh, good, you have my coat. Oh, yes. I can't tell you how grateful I am for you taking such good care of it. Oh, it was my pleasure. It's a lovely garment. Did you get it on the continent? France. The continent. <laughs> nice try, Daniel. <laughs> Hi, Stuart. I'm Sam Malone. I haven't seen you in here before, have I? Well, I'm new to the Boston area. Oh. I'm uh, in the midst of restoring a carriage house on Beacon Hill. Mm. And I needed a break, so I just wandered in here. It's a nice little pub you have. Well, thank you. That makes you a carpenter, huh? Sam, I think he's probably an architect. Oh, yes, I am an architect. (laughs) An architect, you say. Did you hear that, Sam? Three times.